Hey there, Koejo here, and I understand that running your own Facebook ads can be quite complicated and intimidating, and yet, at this point, you're not ready to hire out Facebook ad management. So, if this is you, I can teach you how to run your own Facebook ads. One-on-one, -on -one, unlimited support over the next 28 days. We will have three Zoom calls, and in between those calls, you get all the support and all my strategies I will audit your graphics, your ad copy, make sure that you're set up the way that's working best for my clients. We'll take care of all the analytics. I will coach you step by step how to troubleshoot ads, how to know when to scale, and how to read all the signs so that you're equipped to run successful lead magnet campaigns and profitable sales campaigns and registration campaigns for your launch or what have you. If you need this kind of support from me right now, then click the link in the show notes below. It's the art of online business forward slash call. I've been doing this all along, but now the offer is just focused on helping you run your successful ad campaign within the next 28 days and the next five people get a pretty nice discount. All right, the link is in the show notes below. Back to the episode. It's, you know, I remember I was shooting in the studio one time with two cameras side by side. And we're watching the playback of the video. And like my son who was there, he goes, Dad, where the heck are you? Where are you looking? I said, between the two cameras. He says, we got to reshoot it. We got to choose one camera. Hmm. We got to choose the audience we're speaking to, speak their language, and then we'll bring up another message for the other audience. Otherwise, we're splitting the hairs, or we're gonna, like you said, we land with one but not the other, and then we start blaming the ads, we start blaming the copy, we start, wait a second, maybe we're just talking the wrong language or meeting them in the wrong place. You're listening to a conversation that I had with my good buddy, Mel Abraham. Mel is an entrepreneur whose mission is to help others discover how to build their own expert business and become an authority brand and thought leader in their space. And I asked Mel to come on to the show here because more and more, I see online experts missing the mark when it comes to connecting with their target audience, whether it's through their Facebook or Instagram ads, their content, their videos, their presentations, etc. And as you'll hear Mel explain, missing the mark like this comes down to understanding what level of market sophistication or market saturation, as Mel likes to say, that you're playing in your business and that most marketers are playing in the wrong level of market sophistication. So today, you're going to learn exactly how to connect with your audience and also separate yourself in a crowded online market space. Let's jump into it with Mel. What do you get when you combine simplified digital marketing, proven ROI strategies, and Metallica blasting from his headphones? You get Rick Moore ready, of course. So strap in, grab your bulletproof coffee, and get ready, because this is the art of pay traffic. Here's Rick. Hey, hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Art of Pay Traffic podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. Whatever you're up to right now, hope you're having an awesome day. I am Rick Mulready, and I'm here to help you grow and scale your business so that you can reach more people, amplify your impact, and as a result, help more people. And when you do all that, you and your audience get to have a better life because those things, my friends, are what it's all about, right? So if you have not already, 
make sure to, to subscribe to the show here as I have new episodes every Wednesday, just like this one, as well as what we call quick tip episodes every Friday. And many of the episodes that I do have time-sensitive, helpful information in them. So by subscribing, you will ensure that you're not missing a beat. Now, before we dive into it with Mel, I just want to give a quick update. I get a lot of questions about how things are going with my new daughter. Uh, Maya is doing super, super well. And uh, my adjustment continues being a new dad and uh, running a business and being a good husband and trying to get alone time for myself. Alone time. What is that? But anyway, everything's going really, really well. She's growing super fast. When this episode comes out, she will be like by date, she'll be just about four months old. If you can believe that. If you've been listening for a while, four months, she's already four months old. I can't even believe that. And she is already in like six month clothes. She's been in six month clothes now for for a while. She is um, in the like ninety percentiles in both height and weight, and uh, so she's growing really, really well. And I just cannot get enough of her. I adore her to the end of the world. So anyway, that's the update on Maya. Thank you so much for everybody reaching out, like on Instagram and everything like that, inquiring about how uh, she's doing, how I'm doing as far as being a new dad and stuff like that. I love. Uh, being a dad. If you heard my episode, I don't remember which episode it was a little while back, talking about my struggles, you know, in the first month to six weeks of um, after she was born. And, and uh, man, now I love being, uh, I love being a dad. So anyway, today I am joined by my very good friend, Mel Abraham. And for this interview, he was actually in person in my new podcasting studio in our new offices here in San Diego. When we recorded this episode, he was the first in-person interview that I've ever done. Full interview, I should say. I've done clips and so forth at, at, at conferences, but having somebody right next to me, I got to say, is a lot of fun. And it adds a whole new dynamic to the interview. I think I remember like sitting next to him, turning towards him and I'm talking and I like <laughs> spit a little bit <laughs> because the, you know, I spit on my, uh, on my microphone. Come on. If you podcast, you know what I'm talking about here. But uh, anyway, Mel's background is as a CPA, but as he says, he's an entrepreneur by exhilaration. He started his first business venture at the age of 11 years old, doing magic shows for kids and making $50 per half hour. So, so he made $100 an hour in the process as an 11-year-old doing magic shows for kids, which I had no idea that he did this. And I learned this during this interview. I used to do magic shows as a kid. I'm going to talk about that uh, on an upcoming episode here. I was a little entrepreneur as a little kid doing magic shows and putting together haunted houses and <laughs> all kinds of stupid stuff. But anyway, Mel's mission now is to help others discover how to build their own expert business and become an authority brand and thought leader. And in this episode, you're going to hear how he did this for himself as a CPA and set himself apart from his many competitors, which I thought was very relevant as the online space that we are all in can be a very crowded niche or niche, right? And I asked Mel to come on to the podcast here because more and more, I see online experts missing the mark when it comes to connecting with their target audience, whether it's through their Facebook or Instagram ads, 
the content that they're putting out, their videos, their presentations, etc. And as you're going to hear Mel explain, he very much feels that this comes down to understanding what level of market sophistication or market saturation, as Mel likes to say, that you're playing in in your business and that most marketers are playing in the wrong level of market sophistication. So Mel's going to share that missing this connection usually comes down to one or more of three reasons. Number one, using copy and content that your market is numb to because they've seen something similar so many times before. Number two, assuming that your market is at an awareness level that they actually aren't. Many times we're actually speaking to a market that doesn't even know that they have an issue or the issue that you're speaking to. Okay. And then number three, not creating content or copy that can transcend the levels of saturation and awareness. We're going to break all that down here today and explain exactly what, what he means by all that. Also, in addition to all that, we're going to be talking about how you can be separating yourself in a crowded online market space. Okay. And also, finally, you're also going to learn if you've ever gone through a lack of confidence in what you're doing, which I can certainly relate to, you're going to learn how to tune out that little voice that says, who am I to be teaching this stuff? I think so many online experts can relate to that. I know that I can certainly relate to it. And we're going to dive into that here today. So without further ado, let's go hang out with Mel Abraham. Mel Abraham, welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? Man, it's great to be here and it's great to do this face to face. So guys, everybody listening, we are doing this live, um, not live, but we're doing it in person. This is the first, first podcast episode I've ever done interviewing somebody live in the Team Already podcast studio. It's not really a studio right yet. It's like got stuff everywhere, but it's the blue room. It's very blue right now. <laughs> We're going to change that, but it's very, it's very blue. Um, so yeah, guys, Mel, Mel is here in San Diego. He drove down for the day uh, to do this podcast episode live and really excited to have uh to have Mel here. And we're going to be talking about, we've kind of touched on this topic before, on the podcast here, but not to the extent of what we're doing, how we're going to approach it um, today. We're going to talk about market, this whole concept of market sophistication, and we're going to define what it is. And also the big mistake that people make when it comes to market sophistication is they put one message out and it's to everybody. It's one message to this audience and this audience and this audience, when in reality, all these different audiences or people within your audience are at different places in their business. And so that's what we're going to be diving into here today. So before we dive into all that, uh, introduce yourself, brother. Let us know. Let AOPT Nation know a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Well, yeah. Thanks, Rick. So so I'm, I'm Mel Abraham. I'm a CPA by education, but an entrepreneur by exhilaration. I, I've mm-hmm. been an entrepreneur. Actually, my first entrepreneurial endeavor is a whole nother story. Started when I was 11 years old. I was doing magic shows for kids' birthday parties at 11 years old, making 50 bucks a half hour, which was pretty dog. At 11 years? Yeah, 11, 11 years? years old. So that would have been 1970. Don't age yourself right okay. now. It was somewhere in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You were making $50 every, for 30 minutes? Yeah, 30 minutes. Yeah, it was just, I was doing it as a clown, which was a great idea at the beginning. But then when you realize that kids are scared of clowns, it didn't go. Clowns? Right. Yes. Clowns scare, scare me. <laughs> clowns, snakes. 
And this is going to sound super weird, but like little ponies. Really? Small horses freak me out. Okay. I'm okay with the ponies. <laughs> I'm okay with the clowns. The snakes, I'm with you, man. <laughs> I had no idea you used to be a clown or yeah. dress up as a clown. Dress up as a clown doing magic. Learn everything. Oh, yeah. Today. <laughs> so, but... My journey actually has gone through this whole process of how do you build expert businesses? How do you become an authority brand, thought leadership, and and putting yourself out there? And I think part of that whole journey as a CPA, as I said, I didn't follow the traditional path of, of the CPA of doing taxes and doing all that. I was doing consulting. I was doing valuations. I was working with boards of directors to help them build their businesses, but I was also testifying at trial a lot Mm. in financial matters, which what that meant was, is I needed to be really, I needed to get known in, in the space to allow me the opportunity to get hired. One, two, two, it meant that my conversations with the judge, the jury, and the folks that I'm working with had to be compelling and had to be influential. And that's where this whole idea of thought leadership came from uh, for me and starting to understand how do I set myself apart in a market at that time it was a bunch of CPAs that's saturated that's busy that is crowded and is used to selling things on a commodity basis trading hours for dollars and I wanted to do something different and that's how it all kind of came about so yeah you are in a crowded space like so many of us are here in the online space yeah. with our business regardless of what niche we're in it's often a if it's it's oftentimes a crowded a crowded niche and we have to you know we talk about on the podcast here a lot as far as building influence and how do we separate ourselves from others out there with our unique message and position ourselves and so here you were are in as a CPA in a very crowded space and how you are differentiating yourself and positioning yourself and you've created a whole framework around this yeah something that i call the legacy maker formula okay so we're not gonna like i don't want to this episode in particular we'll definitely have you back on for that yeah but just real quick like what is that like what does that mean so how here's how how i look at it Mm -hmm. a thought leader or a difference maker someone that influences people with their knowledge wisdom and skill owns their space. There's three characteristics. They own their space. They own their marketplace. Mm -hmm. They're in high demand and they're highly valued, which means they get paid well. And that's really the three elements that I look for and say, if you're truly a thought leader, if you're truly a difference maker, do you own your space? In other words, when your topic comes up, does your name come up to the top? And are you in demand? Meaning I've got one of my expert businesses that literally, because of how I'm positioned, I don't have marketing, I don't have a website, I haven't done it for a decade, and we will still, each and every year, do multiple six figures every year because of the work we did previously. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love it. It's so important, Yeah, right? And what would you say to, and again, we're gonna get to the market sophistication stuff. I think this is such an interesting topic though. What would you say to that person who is the, you know, online expert, but they don't think they're an expert? Oh, this is, I get this all the time. Here's, Here's what happens. And if you look at my credentials because of the testimony, I had a whole bunch of initials after my name. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of a, if I have, have a moment, a, a quick story. Mm-hmm. I was in a sandwich shop with my son. I was a single full-time dad raising my son. We went to a sandwich shop. His teacher walks in to the sandwich shop and says, and it's her birthday. And we start chatting with her. And Jeremy invites her to sit down with us at lunch. And I go, Jeremy, she's your teacher. <laughs> and uh, he asked her, what do you want for your birthday? She says, I want a digital camera. He looks at her and says, my dad will get that for you. 
And I look at her, she goes, she goes, no, no, they're expensive. That's okay. But that was really a nice offer. And he goes, it's okay. My dad has lots of initials after his name. He can afford it. So, <laughs> so that's, that's how the initials are. And, and I thought originally that I needed to have all these initials to say I'm an expert. Yep. But the fact of the matter is what I realized is that what makes us as an expert is we actually get the results for our clients mm. because I don't, our markets, our audience, our clients don't really care about the education. I can have I can have the best education out there, and if I don't get results, then they're not going to consider me an expert. So, so what we need to look at is what's the transformation? What are the results that we have the ability to get for our clients? And that's what generates the expertise. Now, in some cases, like you know, doctors and things like that. There's certain licenses you need to have. Mm -hmm. But by and large, especially in the online space, do you get results? Do you get them consistently? Do you get them easily for your clients? And if you do, you have an expertise that you can offer. What would you say to that person who is just beginning? They don't have any clients yet. They're trying to get customers, whether it's for, let's just say they have an online, or they're thinking about doing an online course, yeah. and they're at the very beginning stages, and they're, you know, they are in whatever niche that they're in, and they have a knowledge, but they, again, they don't think because they're just starting out. There's that little voice saying, you're not an expert. You haven't done this. Who are you to be teaching this stuff? And I'm asking kind of like selfishly because I'd love to hear your perspective on that because this is exactly what I went through almost six years ago where I was like, who was I to be teaching Facebook ads? And because there was, you know, back then, it's Amy Porterfield, yeah. Mari Smith and all these other people. And yes, granted, I've been doing online advertising for almost 13 years at that point, not necessarily Facebook ads for 13 years, but I got the online advertising space back then, you know, and, but I, I had that voice saying, who are you to be teaching this stuff? So what would you say to that person who's sort of in that position right now? So for me, I look at it and go, you know what? That voice never, ever goes completely away because even today, absolutely right. I, I mm -hmm. still have that voice. So yep. if we're trying to eliminate that voice completely, then we're not playing the game at the highest level we should be playing it at. Hmm. Okay. And I think that, that thought leaders are truly leaders. And what that means is that we're going to try and lead a market. We're going to anticipate. We're going to direct. We're going to do things that maybe aren't being done yet, which means that you're going to get some arrows in the back. You're going to get criticized. And that isn't a demonstration of your lack of expertise. That is a demonstration that we're hitting against people's boundaries of their thinking and trying to expand that. And so I think that's one part of it, too. For a true beginner, I think that we need to refine the content. If I can't get results for folks, then then that becomes an, a challenge. So one of the things that I will tell some of the folks that I work with is you don't want to go out, book a keynote speech for a thousand people and test your content out on a thousand people. It's a quick way to crash and burn. Hmm. The best way to do this is to go out and run either beta or pilot programs with small groups where you're getting constant feedback and you get a chance to test your delivery, test your frameworks, test your methodologies, and test the results you're getting so you can continually refine it on an ongoing basis, much like you do with the ads. You're putting mm -hmm. ad copy out there, you're putting images out there, you're putting videos out there, and we tweak and test all along the way. And I think we need to do that with our content, our methodologies, and the work we do until it's refined to the point that we know we deliver it, we get these results on a consistent basis. Yeah, I love it, I love it. 
you and I could talk about that for hours oh, right yeah. there. That's really not what we're going to be talking no. about here today. But I think that's such an important, you know, I am glad that we talked about it because it's such an important thing that comes up for so many people. And I, I'm really glad that you mentioned like, hey, even if you're not a beginner, it comes up for so many people. You know, if you, even if you've been doing this for years, this stuff comes up, right? This is All one of those guys, everybody listening. This is one of those things. Chalk this one, you know, or mark this one down as one of those things that we don't often, we only see that what's the whole iceberg metaphor where we only see what's going on above the water. Like this is one of those things that's going on below the surface <laughs> that we don't often see. Um, so, you know, I want to talk about this whole concept of market sophistication. And we talked about it here on the podcast. I don't have the episode, unfortunately, right in front of me right now, but um, my good friend, Kira Hug, our good friend, Kira mm-hmm. Hug, um, who is a master conversion copywriter. We talked about market sophistication here on the podcast previously. And I want to kind of dive into it from a little bit different angle this time, because it's something that I think so many people, myself included, we get caught up in thinking that it's one message to our audience, right? And even if, you know, I talk a lot about segmenting your audience and so you can have specific conversations to those people, but really those specific conversations need to be from an understanding of where they're at and where you're coming from, from a market sophistication level. And so let's talk about like, because one of the big things, as I mentioned very early on, is that people create content copy, you know, ad copy presentations, whatever it might be. And it's just not hitting home. And it's because of what we're talking about here, this, this whole not fully understanding this concept of markets. So let's start there. What in, in your mind, what is, what is it? What does market sophistication mean? So I actually kind of recoin the term market saturation Mm -hmm. is, is that we, especially in today's world, we have audiences and markets that are being absolutely bombarded with messaging, whether it's in their inbox, their chats, their bots, their, their direct mail, they're getting inundated with messages, which means that, you know, you'll become numb to the messaging just as much as you look at you go into a marketing course, they tell you, you got to figure out who your customer avatar is. And we spent a lot of time trying to figure out who our customer avatar is. We may define the avatar really in a lot of detail with the name and, and personalities and all that stuff. But what happens if part of that definition of the customer avatar, we don't define the language that they will listen to you in? Because mm. that's the difference when we start to talk about the idea of market saturation is that, okay, I know their identity, but I'm speaking the wrong language to them because they're numb to the messaging that you're creating. We need to understand where they are in the level of saturation or sophistication, as Eugene Schwartz calls it, so we can put the right messaging in front of that customer, that that avatar. So I want to really kind of unwrap that because that's really the base of what we're yeah. talking about here. And that's so let's first start because my, my, the immediate question is, well, how do we know? Like, how do we know what the language should be mm-hmm. in speaking to that audience? But before we answer that, I think it's important to like, so I like how you said the market saturation and there's different levels of, of that. So can we break that, those levels down first? Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's five levels of, of saturation or sophistication. The first level, the first level is they, they call it level one really is, is for those that are entering a market that are, you're the first or the second to market and that's it so so most of us most of us are not playing in that game we're, mm-hmm. we're the first entry to the market think about this if i'm the first to market the only thing i got to do is make a claim i only have to tell the market hey i have the solution 
you know, whether it's solving smoking, weight loss, relationships, I have a solution and they buy the solution. I just got to make the claim and that's fine because there is no competition. They haven't been bombarded with messages and it's a unique message for them and they go, I get it and that's what they follow. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is when you have a claim like that that really works, there's going to be competition. It's just the natural order of, of business and when competition comes in, now the claim isn't enough to get their attention. And so we go to level two, and level two is really about how do you amplify the claim? This is where you start to look at things like, like, well, let's just take weight loss for a moment. You know, we're gonna, you lose 10 pounds in 30 days. So we elevate the claim. And at the first level, we were talking about lose weight. Now we're saying lose 10 pounds in 30 days. So we amplify the claim, we, we ratchet it up where compared to the rest of the claims that they're hearing, wait a second, this says 10 pounds in 30 days. That's what I want. And now that's level two, market sophistication. That's where we start to look at the kinds of messages that we want to put out there when you realize that a market is putting a lot of claims out there. Gotcha. So you're looking in the second level, you're looking for an additional way to differentiate yourself because you didn't have to do that at level one. Exactly. You didn't have any competitors, if you will. And so now you're looking for, all right, what's one way I can differentiate myself because I now have a competitor? Exactly. Okay. How do I how do I one up the claim that the competitor is mm. making? Okay, cool. Gotcha. And we oftentimes try to do that in a very saturated market. Yeah. Okay, what's level three? So, and that's what happens. Now, all of a yeah. sudden, we're in a very saturated market, and now everyone's saying, well, lose weight or stop smoking or build your relationship in 10 days, five days, three days. And I'm just using time as a measurement. It could be faster. It could be slower. It could be easier. Pricing. could be pricing. Yeah. could be a lot of different characteristics that, that amplify the claim. But that starts to get numb, so we go to level three. Level three is about the how, about the mechanism. So now... If we use uh, the diet metaphor, now all of a sudden you start to see lose weight with the keto diet, mm. the South Beach diet, mm -hmm. the 131 diet. And now all of a sudden they're selling the process that's being used as the uniqueness to stand out in the marketplace. Yep. Gotcha. And so that's now you look at it. And, and for those that are selling like Facebook ads, I mean, you look at this process, Facebook ads, a Facebook ad, Facebook mm -hmm. ad. So what is the process that you bring to the table that sets you apart yep. from the claims that were below you in level one, level two? Yep. And OK, because uh, and I, I still don't I still think that we, we haven't reached the point where most people are playing. No, right? no. So I think that well, here's where I think is happening is that I think most people are sending messages out at level two, three and four. Mm -hmm. But they're playing in a market that's a level five. OK, talk about. So talk about that. So what's level four? So first? Level four is escalating the claim for the mechanism. So now if you think about level one and two paired together, level mm -hmm. three and four are paired together. In level two, we amplified the claim in level four, we escalate the mechanism. So now my mechanism is better than your mechanism is, is kind of like what you're saying. So, so now we're trying to say it's easier, it's faster, it's cheaper. If you think about the keto diet, the keto diet's a hard diet to stay on a lot. Of, that's one of the big criticisms. Well, you've got this network marketing company out there, prove it, that says, wait, you don't have to worry about that diet. You just take these packets and I don't I don't know much about it. I don't mm -hmm. use it. You create a, a shake and you you drink it and it puts you into ketosis. So you don't have to worry about that. So now all of a sudden they're still using the keto diet, but they 
escalated the claim on the mechanism by saying, let's make it easier. Just take this drink and you're good. So this is level four. Level four. Okay. Okay. And it's a small, it's a short, short time frame when markets move through this because now competitors will start to catch on and they say, we got to do something. We got to up it. Mm-hmm. What happens is that most of the time we stop there. But where we really need to play, where we really need to play is to create content and products and process and communications that go through all five levels. The fifth level, though, is the most powerful level, and that is level five, where we appeal to their identity. Mm. Okay. One of, the, one of the most powerful things in human nature is for them to stay true to an identity that either exists or to drive towards an identity that they truly, truly desire. So speaking to an aspirational identity, and we can look at brands and say, how does that manifest itself? Well, they did it. Let's just go back to uh, Ed Bernays, who talked about one of the uh, advertisements. He came in to try and bring cigarette smoking to make it more common for women. Mm. Okay. At a time that women weren't smoking out in public. And so what did he do? He created an advertising campaign where he talked about the cigarettes as the torches of freedom. He sold an identity to yeah. to a demographic that wasn't existing. And now it represented for them a torch of freedom. And what are we doing in our products and our services where we appeal to their aspirational desires to do that? Look at a current a current brand, Red Bull. Mm-hmm. If you just go to Red Bull site, it is nothing about Red Bull. It's all extreme sports. It's adventure. It's all of that. Get, that your, is, get your wings. Yes. And so they're appealing to a demographic that identifies with that identity. And now they're selling based on identity and not necessarily just claim or mechanism. So I love this stuff because this is like classic marketing, right? This is just the foundation of advertising and marketing. But how do we, you know, for, for those of us in the online space where, again, going back to the fact that so many of us, myself included, are working within very crowded niches, mm-hmm. right? How do we leverage this stuff? Because we could even take it to a, we could even take this to a level of the market that we're speaking to doesn't know they have this problem. Yes. Right. And so, how do we transcend this? Like, there's so many questions I have for this, but yeah. like, how do we transcend this, especially in an online business standpoint? where oftentimes, again, the niches that we're in are very crowded. What's, again, I mean, is it a framework that we're working from so, with this or steps or what do you, what do you think? So here's, here's the thing. I think at, at each level, at each level, level one through five, there's certain aspects from a thought leader, from a content perspective that you need to have in place that start to drive it. At the very base, at level one, you need to figure out what it is you know that's knowledge and wisdom and expertise that can serve. So I call that creating a a portfolio of intellectual property. Mm -hmm. What is it you know? What's the stuff that you've done? But then the second level is really about having a proprietary process. What do you do differently as a process that you can actually name the process because it then becomes proprietary to you? That becomes a brand in and of itself in the sense of we use this process to make this happen. Mm -hmm. That's level two Mm -hmm. level three is now we 
distill that process into a true framework. Now, I'm not talking about frameworks that are one-dimensional frameworks that are like acronyms or or mnemonics that are letters, but a diagrammatic framework where you can draw a picture for your audience where they absolutely get it. The the reason we want diagrammatic diagrammatic frameworks is that that one science has shown and proven that they are six times more powerful and retained six times more by people when they when they learn. So meaning just visually, visually. Okay, gotcha. When you use visual learning tools your audience will retain it six times higher. You're, you are so good at that. Yeah. I remember talking to you, what, last year, I think it was, some, like middle of 2018 or something like that, where I was talking to you about a webinar that I did. And you, you were like, okay, this is really cool, but what if you did it this way? Or what if you introduced this concept, whatever? I forget what it was, but you, you always have your iPad within arm's reach and you have one of those pens that writes yep. on it. And you broke that out and you started diagramming it and you were showcasing or you were showing how to visually share that framework that I was talking about. And it was, I was, it blew my mind because I was like, yeah, that was cause I'm a very visual person. And so it blew my mind because like, Oh yeah, that <laughs> makes way more sense the way, the way I was teaching it. Yeah. So anytime, guys, I think this is a great lesson here. Anytime that you can visually represent what the framework that you're teaching Mm -hmm. people pick that up much quicker they'll recall it this is going back to my testimony experience i was testifying in financial matters as a cpa the opposing experts would do all the math on the on the flip chart and all of that so they're just doing math which is like watching paint dry yeah okay and then they would say mr abraham can you go up there and show us how you got to your numbers and i would look at the jury and i'd look at the judge and said is it okay if i draw a picture for you And I would literally draw a picture and a framework of how I got to my numbers. Now, when that jury went into the deliberation room, what do you think they remembered? The picture and the story I told or the mathematics that someone else did? Yeah. And this is such a great lesson for so many of us who are doing, we're producing content, we're doing videos, we're doing webinars, we're doing online courses, whatever it is that we're doing, we can, uh, if we're able to draw something out just from, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm the worst artists in the world. We're not talking about art here. We're just talking about just drawing it out on a, on a whatever it might be, whether it's a, a flip chart, whether it's your iPad, whatever it is, showcasing and showing what you are trying to convey visually Absolutely. with some sort of diagram. When you take your a framework, a diagrammatic framework, a couple, or, or a couple of them, you build it in layers, a proprietary process, and you add to it your ability to deliver the results, mm-hmm. that's your unique methodology. That in and of itself is what makes you stand out. Now, at level five, when we start to think about how do you show up, that's about your unique story, about your delivery, and your ability to communicate. Mm. And we don't, we look at it and, and think about some of the things that we do and say, well, I just got to write copy or I just got to, uh, I just got to create a product. But if our point, if we're truly trying to lead an industry, we need to lead their thinking first because that will lead to different behaviors and different results. So we need to be able to communicate in an influential way. And so what's going to set us apart at the identity level is your values, your beliefs, your story, and that unique journey you were on. Mm. And people will relate to it. I don't think that when we look at a noisy market, a lot of people approach a noisy market and say, oh, I just got to yell louder, flash your clothes, whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help 
the idea about marketing is not to be the loudest in the market. The idea of marketing, at least in my mind, is to find that little pod of people, that tribe of folks that you resonate with and go up and just whisper in their ears the right words at the right time in the right way. And they come along for the journey. How do we find those people? I think part of that has to go back to something you mentioned earlier and this whole idea of where is your market from an awareness standpoint? Yeah. If If saturation or sophistication is the language they're speaking, awareness is the location they're in, Mm. okay? Because you mentioned something that sometimes they're not even aware of the problem. So there's many markets that are completely unaware. Yeah. And when they're unaware and you're trying to teach them how-to content, it doesn't land because they don't even think they have a problem. So is this where, because I think about this a lot because... You know, I tend not to necessarily want to attract people who don't already understand that Facebook and Instagram ads are an amazing opportunity to grow their business. Right. I want to speak to the people who already know that. So do you have another example? Like just to, I'm just going to put you on the spot. And there another example of an online business in that realm, like the audience that, that, that this person or whomever is speaking to isn't quite sure who they're speaking to. How do they find, you know what I mean? Like, I want to kind of put some concreteness to it. Well, I think that, I think what we do is we, one, we, we start to declare it. You and I were having a conversation before we went on the air mm-hmm. about something that we're going to have coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. And I think that we make a statement around what it is. For instance, if you are working with folks, like for me, I'm going to be building another program around people that actually need to be in the six figures and above range. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to clearly delineate that in my copy, in my videos, in all the work that I do to say, in fact, if, if we look at some of the stuff, I'm constantly saying, you know, if you're so and so, if you're this. And I think you make that declaration because when we look at businesses that are trying to, you know this, because you talk about niching, mm-hmm. is that that when we try to say, well, let me just cast a wide net, we really don't get anything in the net. And what we need to really do is, is as an online business, say, who am I serving and at what category am I serving? So clearly delineate, are these new buyers, new people that are just starting out and I want to bring them up that rung because the conversation you're going to have with someone who's completely unaware of the problem or maybe is aware of the problem but not aware of the possible solutions then is a very different conversation than someone that is aware of the problems, solutions, and the products out there and they're looking for a specific solution. Yeah, and that's that's really the key and the yes. heart of what we're talking about here. But what you're not saying, what I'm not hearing is that somebody can't speak to both those people like they can't have it's okay to have you know both of those types of people in there who they're serving right but if they're going to do that understanding that's not one message to speak to both of those audiences without a doubt it's two different messages and that really comes down to number one the decision that you make in your business on who you want to serve like okay i want to serve both of these audiences okay great and then understanding, guys, this is understanding what Mel's talking about here is understanding who you're serving and then where are they from the sophistication level? Yeah. What are they problem aware? Are they not problem aware? Like, are they, do they understand what the possibilities are? And speaking to those specific people, this is another reason why 
you want to be testing, let's just put it from an an ads perspective, your Instagram or Facebook ads, you want to be testing different messaging. And different audiences. And different audiences. Yeah, because there are different places. This is, you know, the levels of intimacy. If you just think about, you've been married how long now? Uh, Five and a half years. See, okay, so now I've been married now eight years. Mm -hmm. Think about this. The conversations we had when we first met our brides Mm -hmm. are very different than the conversations we have today. Sure. And that's the same thing in the marketplace. Yet, if I tried to have the conversations I have today when I first met Stephanie, it wouldn't have gone so well. Yeah. Okay? (laughs) Yeah. And so, we don't just broadcast and a megaphone the same message and say, well, let me just see what sticks to the walls. We actually need to be more laser focused and say, all right, who am I speaking to? What's the language they need to hear? And what's the message they need to hear? at that time to make it land. And now we're clear and we know that from that, they all are searching for different solutions. The one that has never done an online course is probably looking for, how do I do an online course? What does it take to sell it and market it? And they're solving different problems. Someone who's got an online course that's doing six figures, the conversation is probably going, how do I scale? How do I leverage my time? How do I make sure that customer service is where it should be and that the customer experience is at another level? And obviously, just at the point you're making here, those are two very different messages. But yet the mistake that most people make is that, well, I'm talking to them because they're course creators, but not differentiating where they are. In the journey. In the journey. Yep. Thus having one message that either hits home for one of them or kind of doesn't hit home for either one of them. It's, you know, I remember I was shooting in the studio one time with two cameras side by side and we're watching the playback of the video and like my son who was there, he goes, dad, where the heck are you? Where are you looking? I said, between the two cameras. He says, we got to reshoot it. We got to choose one camera. Hmm. We got to choose the audience we're speaking to, speak their language, and then we'll bring up another message for the other audience. Otherwise, we're splitting the hairs, or we're gonna, like you said, we land with one but not the other, and then we start blaming the ads, we start blaming the copy, we start. Bl- Wait a second, maybe we're just talking the wrong language or meeting them in the wrong place. Yeah, and we need to examine that. So, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my brain is the way that I'm processing this right now is that the market sophistication conversation is that more around you as the business owner and how you're communicating to your audience and then what we're talking about now is it a different con- like i'm really I, I really don't know that i'm trying to put this pieces together and is this a completely different conversation than the market sophistication simply under no, i don't want to say simply because so many of us get it yeah. wrong but understanding a, who our target audience is, where are they in the, the awareness spectrum, if you will, and then sp- having the right conversation with them. So I think it's it's the second one, if I understood it correctly. Bottom line is this, is that I need to understand who my customer is. Mm-hmm. I need to understand at what level they're getting hit with other marketing messages because that will define the saturation level. Yep. Okay? And then I need to understand how aware are they of the problems and solutions and products in that area. That defines the awareness level. Yes, gotcha. Different awareness levels requires different things. If they're unaware, then the primary content I'm going to put in front of them is belief, thought reversal, values, because I need to attract them to me first before I can have a more intimate conversation. Mm. Think about this, because the second level of awareness is is being problem aware, Mm -hmm. pain aware. Yep. 
And if I have not created a relationship with someone first to talk about the problem, that's like meeting someone on a first date and saying, you have a disease and I want to talk to you about it. It's <laughs> right. just not going to go well. Right, right. So what we need to do is create some intimacy, some understanding, some connection and say, you might have something that's going on and I think I can help with it. Let me talk about the problem. Now mm-hmm. we, we talk about the consequences of not solving the pain they have because they're now a little bit aware. But if I start talking about pain, problems, and, and disease before they even are aware that they have it, they're gonna shut off. Right, but you could have that conversation with the people who are, are there, are aware. So we yeah. need to understand how much they're bombarded with marketing messages, saturation, mm-hmm. and at what level are they aware of the pains, the solutions, and the products, the awareness, yep. to have the right conversations with them. So that part, I think is a little bit easier for people to understand the second part there because they're like, all right, well, this is who I serve. And then you get to decide what segment of that audience, you know, do I want to serve? Do I want to serve only one segment? Like only the people who are aware of the problem. Cool. If not, I want to serve both segments, people who aren't aware. Great. Just understand that if that's the case, that's two different messages. How do people figure out how bombarded my audience is getting like how do you how does because i feel like the second part that is easier to the understand. second part is is easier but how do you figure out that first part so the saturation level so one of the things that i try to do and this is for me i think that it's it's helpful with respect to using you know facebook ads and that kind of thing to do this is that i create different levels of content around the claim the amplification of the claim the process or the mechan- the mechanism and the identity and I start running ads to mm-hmm. to see what my what the the majority of traffic the yep. majority of responses now I start to get a if you will a, a flavor for the concentration in there because if I see that some of the things at the base level around the claim and around that are not landing, they're not viewing, they're not clicking, they're not doing anything, then guess what? They're probably at a much higher level of sophistication or saturation and we should see that we're we're getting more activity on those higher level things. But at the very first part, just like you're testing, I need to test the level of saturation to have some data to make more refined uh, decisions. Mm. And we can do this by simply targeting one audience. So guys, as an example here, let's just say I want to target, you know, people who have an interest in social media examiner. Um, I don't know how big that audience is. It's a larger audience, but let's just say I want to target people who have an interest in social media examiner. Well, what Mel's saying here is within that audience, there's going to be those different people. And then, you can be, let's just say we have two or three different messages that we want to test. Well, you, that's, that's the, when you're split testing, let's just say number one, like for the, our first split test, we're going to split test different messaging and we're going to, te- we're going to test different messaging with to the social media examiner audience and see how that does. Once we hone in on which of those messages is performing the best, then we can start to test different things from there, right? Yeah. Whether it's an image or video or what, or what have you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what ends up happening is you start to to get a feel like 70% of this audience is at a level four, level five. Mm -hmm. And now you know that my marketing messaging, the language I got to speak to them has to be an amplified mechanism with identity attached to it. 
Otherwise, it's not going to land at the level that you want. Recap real quick what it means for to have the identity attached to it. So what we want to do is appeal to their aspirational desires. Hmm. Um, this is why it's, a, you know, you look at some of the old cigarette ads. You know, you had the Marlboro Man and, mm-hmm. and, you, and wire cars with women and, you know, I mean, all these kinds of images of identity kind of images where people are identifying with that either through this is what I want to be, this is the kind of life I want. Look, there's people in, out in social media right now that are parading big homes and fast cars I, and all that stuff. I was wondering if you're going to go there or not. Yeah, and, and so and they're creating an audience and they're creating a following and they're creating yeah. a list and most of those folks are sitting back going, I want what, what he's right. got or what right. she's got. Yeah. And that's great, okay, but there's probably a whole lot more we can talk about with that. Yeah. But but point being is that that they identify with who you are, what you stand for, and where you can take them. And yep. that's what we're selling. Yep. Apple did it when the iPod came out. They had those silhouetted billboards that it wasn't about, they weren't talking about, you know, after he said a thousand, thousand songs in your pocket, which was a whole new concept, then they were selling an identity of being cool. Look, I'm an Apple fanatic Mm -hmm. and I know that I'm overpaying for the utility I get just to belong to Apple. Yeah. But I've identified with Apple and I'm Apple all the way. Yeah. That's right. That's the identity that you are seeking because of it. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and for people who like a great thing that you can do, a super easy thing to do that I did early on. It took me, and I've talked about it on the podcast here before, it took me a year and a half to do it. And then I I kicked myself after for it taking me so long to do was I got on Skype with, I don't know, four or five of my quote unquote ideal customers and talked to them. (laughs) Crazy concept, right? Yeah. of why they bought for me, and I got to hear whether what their challenges were and what the you know what the course was doing for them, et cetera. So this is something that you can do, guys. If you have customers, what Mel's talking about here, a great way to figure out what separates you. If you're not sure what separates you from others, talk to your customers Huge. and ask them why they bought from yeah. you. Why they bought from you? I think they. At scale, you can't do it. Like you go into a launch and and you've got, you know, hundreds of people buying. But I'll, you know, there's plenty of times that I'll be driving. So so a a person purchases from me. The team will send me a a phone number and I have a separate app on my phone. And I literally will just call and say, hey, this is Mel Abram. They go, no way. I go, yeah. Is this a recording? Yeah. (laughs) And just have a conversation with them. It is amazing. One of the things, like for me, I I had someone I was just talking to. He says, I've been following you for a year and a half. It starts to me thinking about, oh, so if a lot of people are following for six months, a year, year and a half, we need to think about how do we build our runways? How do we build that on-ramp? How do we build that relationship? with them so they're prepared to be with us long term and but if we don't pick up the phone two things we just don't get the information but by picking up the phone we get information we create connection we create a loyalty and that in and of itself especially in this digitally disconnected world is a distinction in the marketplace they're going i got a call from rick yeah i call from mel yeah yeah i've had plenty of people and i haven't done this in a little while and i want to get back to this but you know, I, I I used to call every single person who bought, uh, who enrolled in a program. Yeah. And uh, I'd have people tell me, like, every time I met them, they would say, 
you know, yes, I love the content and I love the program that you were offering and I needed it. But what really pushed me over the edge was the fact that you, you know, that they, that you took the, the time to call me yeah. and, um, you know, and they were hearing about that from other people and other people were saying, wait, you know, like I want to get a phone call, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a very simple, it's a very simple thing to do, which can really help you with this whole, you know, identity and why people are buying from you. And this, I mean, just wrapping up what we're talking about here from a, understanding a where you are in the market sophistication slash saturation level and then also where's your audience how are you speaking to them once you've identified who it is that you want to serve and really truly understanding the difference there if it's just one audience great but understand where they're at so that you could have the right conversation this is the whole um you know advertising adage of speak have the you know speaking to the right person at the right time you know the right need that sort of thing but yeah. I think a good exercise for everyone to go through is to ask yourself, how would you answer the, the five levels? If I know what my claim is, if I know how to amplify my claim, if I know what my mechanism is and how to escalate that mechanism and then really dig into what my beliefs are, what my identity is, what my uniqueness is, what my distinction is, how I stand out. Now, at least we're more self-informed yep. about what we're going to approach the market with. I mean, I look at your website. I look at, at the, the things on your website and how you described yourself. Mm-hmm. You attract this very specific avatar, very specific customer, because you put it out there and said, yep. here's who I am. Here's what I do. And it was your story. You were at a level five on that website. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Facebook ads is a claim and this and that, and you have a process which is level four and three. Uh, I get it. But what people identify with Rick Mulready is who Rick Mulready is. Mm-hmm. And we don't let that out enough in our marketplace. Yeah. And, and it's taken me a long time to do that yeah. and feel comfortable with that and realize that. I've had conversations, you know, recently with um, some accelerator group coaching members and they were telling me that you know exactly what we were just talking about a big reason why they really love learning from me at the level that they are is for exactly what you're talking about you know they're not you're not they're like you're not standing in front of a lambo or you know on the tarmac with your private jet in the background you know and and it's i'm this is their words like i'm a relatable relatable guy down to earth you know i'm a i'm a new dad and yet have built a very successful business along the way here and so yeah it's just under having that um understanding and uh, can can just go such a long way i think that when we look at society today uh they're starved for a new way of thinking a new way of doing things but more importantly they're starved for hope and i think that what we offer as thought leaders as difference makers is we're peddlers of hope yeah and when they see in you where they want to be they see possibility in their future yeah and that's a responsibility that i think we have for society the solutions that we're looking for isn't coming from anywhere else but us with our boots on the ground making a difference in people's lives and doing it in an authentic way to you absolutely yeah um dude we could talk about this for hours i think that's a great way to wrap wrap things up 
I'm going to have you, you're going to come back on the podcast here because I want to talk about this other project that you've got going on that you will have going on. Yes. I know that you're working on right now that I've, that uh, we've been talking about for two years now <laughs> and you're uh, finally going to pick it up. You're finally going to do it, which I'm super excited about. So we'll kind of leave it right there yeah. on that one there. But I do want to make sure that people can connect with you. I know that you've got some great content coming up. Yeah. Um, so where, where, what's, what's going on with so, you right now? Um, there's obviously my website, melabraham.com. I am doing a virtual training series coming up in just a couple of weeks. They can go to joinmel.com to either get on the, on the notification list or actually register for it and get themselves in it. I'll go through deeper on some of the things that we are talking about here. We'll use visuals so I can draw some of it out because you know me, I got a doodle. Yep. And walk through what does it take to become an authority brand that matters in people's lives. Mm. Joinmel.com. Joinmel.com. When does that kick off? When does the live training kick off? It's, we're looking at uh, April 11th. Okay, and then if people uh, listen to this after your series, um, they can still go to that site though and they're not going to be, you know, no. they're not going to drop into a black hole. No, they won't drop into a black hole. We'll make sure that we get you, <laughs> get you access to training. And yeah. I put out weekly content yeah. videos and yeah. training all the time, but we'll make sure that we get you access to all of that. Good stuff. Uh, guys, join Mel.com. I'll make sure that's linked up in the show notes for the episode here today. And then also Mel's site is MelAbraham.com. Uh, definitely check it out. Mel's one of my closest friends and uh, just such a smart dude. He's somebody that I go to a lot for a variety of different um, things in, in that I'm, I'm looking for help with. So thank you, A, for being on the podcast. And thank Dude, you, B, for coming to the office here and doing our first uh, in-person interview for the podcast. Thanks, man. Dude, it was, it was awesome. Lots of fun always and anytime, man. Hey, real quick, there's an update to when Mel is doing his live virtual training series that now kicks off on April 18th not April 11th, like he said. So definitely register up for Mel's live series. You can go to joinmel.com. The dude's a master teacher um, with this stuff and you're going to learn a ton. Also, if you'd like to win a 30-minute strategy session with me, I'd love to hear from you over on either Instagram DM or Facebook Messenger. All you have to do to win is give me your feedback on the podcast here. Pretty easy, right? And specifically... I want to hear what you'd like to hear more of, like topics, guests on the show, style of the show, frequency, length, any ideas that you want to share with me about the podcast, I would love to hear them from you. So to share your ideas and feedback with me, you can message me again, either on Instagram, I'm at Rick Mulready, or on Facebook Messenger. And I've set up a link that will direct you right there, rickmulready.com forward slash messenger. And when you message me with your ideas and feedback, I'm going to pick one person at random at the end of each month to win a 30-minute strategy call with me. We can talk about your Facebook and Instagram ads or growing your business, online marketing strategy, growing a team, whatever it is that you want to talk about, we can do it during that strategy call. So thank you so very much in advance for your feedback. And thank you as always for listening to the podcast here. I really appreciate it. Coming up on the podcast, I've got another quick tip episode coming your way where I'm going to be talking about cold, warm, and hot traffic. And the big mistake that I see people making when targeting these three different audiences. So until then, and as always, my friends, keep testing your online marketing to find out what works for you and your business, and then do more of what's working. Duh, right? And I'll see you in the next episode. 
don't worry, there's more of RFP traffic coming soon. If you can't wait for more incredible digital marketing strategies, head over to rickmulready.com. We'll see you next time. the seven biggest mistakes that burn through course creators ad money i see these over and over and over again and i put them together in a mini email series this is not fluff each of the seven mistakes i also have a recorded video tutorial showing you inside of facebook ad manager how to fix those mistakes this is good solid and it will save you money or help you make more money with your facebook ads Click down in the show notes below, you'll see the link and you can go download it right now for free.